All right, we're in our series on faith, and um, I think one of the easiest things to do, really starting out in faith and trusting God, is to stop trusting God and not know it. Like if you stop and analyze it, maybe you'd realize it, but uh, that's exactly what happened to the church at Galatia, is they started out in faith, they came to Christ by faith, and then they tried to um, continue their relationship with him through works. And they tried to do it basically through what they could do or what they couldn't do. So this is where we pick up with Paul um, talking in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. He says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your uh, eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So uh, not only is he asking them what happened to your faith, what's going on, but he's saying, who has bewitched you? So you realize if you study church history that uh, I think it was the Gnostics, uh, these people tried to creep in and get the people that were actually trusting in God to start to go a different direction. And um, and so this is what Paul is starting to address. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? uh, Did you suffer so many things in vain, if it indeed was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? That's, of course, God through the presence of the Holy Spirit, or Jesus through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? I like that. It reminds me of Romans uh, chapter uh, 10, 17. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Greek really there, uh, they tell us there's a play on the words. It means hearing and hearing the word of God. So faith comes by hearing and hearing. So faith doesn't come by having heard. Faith comes by hearing. And Jesus said, be careful how you hear. So I don't know about you, but I've heard many things. And um, even when I went to Ramah, I heard so much. And it's really easy to hear. And you hear here in your intellect in your reasoning ability, and maybe it doesn't drop down into your heart or you don't like grasp it with your heart. And I've had the opposite thing happen as well. And I remember sitting in classes and my head is like trying to grasp all this and like trying to keep up with it. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Because I want to analyze it and process it and take it through my filters. And I can you know, almost tangibly sense in my spirit, something's going on. Like, you know, you, like, I don't know a better phrase than what Dad Hagen used, which was my spirit's turning flips on the inside of me. Like, you're just like, whoa, this is, this is awesome. And you really connect with it. And uh, so something's happening in your heart, but your head's not really conscious of it. Well, that to me is a little bit safer than something happening in your head and your heart's not conscious of it. Because when something happens in our head, and our heart's not conscious of it, what we tend to do is to regard lightly what the Word of God says in that area, because you've already heard it before, right? So, um, because faith comes by uh, hearing, by receiving, by, you know, looking on the inside, okay, Lord, what are you saying about this, okay? By hearing and hearing. And then Hebrews chapter 2 talks about that we have to give 
special attention, more special attention to things that we've already heard, lest at any time we let them slip. Margin says, leak out like water out of a leaky vessel. So I always think of, you know, I don't know if you ever researched, but in Bible times, they would have these vases that were like about this tall, and they're probably like this skinny like that with the handles. And um, so I always think of those like clay pottery cracked, and you fill it up, and then it's leaking out if you don't give extra attention to what you've already heard. And one of the things I love about the Word of God is um, God is a spirit, And the Bible says in John, those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God's not a mind. So you can't fellowship with God in your mind or from your mind. God's a spirit. You fellowship with him from your spirit and with your spirit. And um, But many times people will approach, especially people that are not Christian, they will approach the word of God totally intellectually. And okay, this is, this is another book I should read. And okay, I read that book. And now what's the next book? Well, you know, what should I go with? And what should I do that? But um, the Bible's not intellectual. But the Bible, because God created all, of th- all things through Jesus Christ, uh, the Bible really is the foundation for everything that is created. And so when you look at the Bible and you see that uh, Hebrews 2 says, pay extra attention to what you've already heard, lest at any time you let it slip or leak out, that's because that's a foundational truth that basically when you've read something, you feel like, okay, I've already heard that. I already know that you're going to hold it in less regard if you don't pay extra attention. So you kind of, um, maybe you studied, um, salvation when you were first born again, and maybe that's the last time you really did much study on salvation. I guarantee you, if you go back today or this week and you start looking at salvation and you look at it like you've never seen it before, in other words, hearing and hearing, you're open, you're receptive to the Spirit of God and what He's saying, there'll be so much life there and so much light there that you'll be like, oh, I had no idea. Because it's real easy to say, oh, yeah, I know that. I've been living in that for like 25 years, for 30 years, or, you know, if you're younger than me, maybe a lot less than that. Uh, and it depends, of course, when you accepted. Christ as your Savior. But faith comes by hearing and hearing. And um, Paul said, Did you, uh, does he supply, who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Or as uh, I think King James says, the father of faith. He's the father of our faith. Uh, verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it's written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law to do them. Now this is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. Uh, For it's written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Of course, if, you, if you've been around 
uh, us that long, you've probably heard Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. So Paul, again, is reiterating that, um, you know, if you're going to try to do this through the works of the law, and I, you know, I think works of the law sometimes is a kind of uh, foggy to think about. It's really by what you can accomplish yourself because the whole Christian life is intended to be a life of reliance upon Jesus Christ and it's a, a life of reliance upon Jesus Christ every day and every moment of your life. So what he's trying to tell the Galatians is, you, hey, you started out, you trusted in Christ, you said, you know what, I can't do this myself, I need help, I believe Jesus Christ died for me, I believe that he rose again, and I receive him or I take him as my Lord and as my Savior, because I can't do this myself. And Paul's saying, you've like kind of strayed away from that. And I've said um, many times, and it's really good to repeat it, and um, Pastor Mark always says it, it's so true, like Brother Hagin set me free from the fear of repetition, because he would teach on like Mark 11, 23 and 24, like again and again and again and again, but it would be awesome revelation, and you start to see things that you didn't see before, and I actually noticed that the more that I go over and over something that I um, feel like I know, uh, yeah, maybe like the first four or five days or four or five times, I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, I start to see a little thing here and a little thing there, and then like something just happens. And all this light comes on, and you're kind of like, uh, I feel like I didn't know anything at all before. I remember I did that uh, a couple years ago on healing, and I was feeling just fine. But I just had an unction on the inside, like, hey, you need to go through this. So uh, Rayma has this healing scriptures book. So I went through this healing scriptures book, and I read it. And um, it was like, oh, yeah, I've read most of that before. That, those are good. Those are good. But it, you know, there wasn't like a lot there. And so then I just felt prompted, oh, why don't you read that again? So I just went through it again, and I read it again. And uh, it was a little better, but it was about the same. And so then I felt prompted, like, why don't you read that again? And I started reading it. And then I started getting hung up, and I couldn't, like, go very far. I'm like, oh, I have never in my life seen that before. What is that? And why is that? Well, because the, the first two times, it's kind of familiar to me. And like Hebrews uh, 2 talks about, it's the things I've already seen. And so uh, it's real easy, even as a minister, to approach something intellectually when I should be approaching it from my spirit. And uh, not that you're not open to it when you're reading the Word of God, but it's the easiest thing in the world to do that, especially when you've already read John 3.16 your entire life and quoted John 3.16 in the King James Version your entire life. Most people know that one in the King James. And, um, but it's easy to hold it in lower regard and to approach it intellectually. And um, that's why I like Paul, because he talks so much about, you know, stop, like, it's not the way it was before. You have to approach life a whole different way now. It's actually by the Spirit. Same thing when we gather together for uh, church services is that uh, when we come together, there is a supply that each believer brings into that service, whether you realize it or not. And um, by you honoring the offices that Jesus has put in the body, uh, there's either more or less supply that happens. And Jesus said in his own hometown he couldn't do mighty work there because of their unbelief. Uh, but Jesus did mighty works in many other towns. Why? Because they believed. And Jesus was the same in his hometown as he was in the other towns. Jesus didn't change. Jesus doesn't change, right? Uh, but it was really upon the part of the hearers. And so... 
when we honor the things of God and look to him to receive, then you actually receive. And uh, Brother Hagin used to always tell us, he said, come expecting and you won't be disappointed. And at first I didn't, kind of, I was like, okay, that's cool. I'm expecting, you know. But then you can actually activate your faith on that uh, in any service. And you come expecting and you need something from God, like the woman with the issue of blood. She came so expecting, she just kept saying, for she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch him of his garment, I'm, I'm going to be made whole, I'm going to be made whole. You know, and she's pushing through and she's pushing through all of the improprieties that she had because she had an issue of blood, which means she's not supposed to be in crowds of people. She's not supposed to be with all these people. But she said, you know what? I don't care. I want to get to Jesus. And I know if I get to Jesus, I'm going to receive something from Jesus. So no one's going to stop me from getting to Jesus. And she didn't even say, like, I have to, like, be honored by Jesus or I have to have Jesus say, like, oh, you know, okay, I'm going to pray for this woman now. Everyone be real quiet. Join your faith. Stretch forth your hands. And we're going to combine our faith and believe for this woman to be healed. No. She just snuck up behind him and touched just the very edge of his garment, of his clothes, and the power of God came into her and healed her uh, because of her faith. Remember, because he turned around, says he turned around in the press or the multitude of people and said, hey, who touched me? Who touched me? Uh, Mark chapter 5. And um, uh, his disciples are like, can't you see all these people around you? And you're asking us, like, who touched me? Which one of these people touched me? How am I supposed to tell you that? I have no idea which one of them touched you. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, told him the whole thing. And said, okay, I, I just knew if I could just touch your clothes, if I could touch the edge of your garment, that I would be healed. And I did, and the power came into me, and I was healed. Well, Jesus uh, could perceive that power had gone out of him. That's why he even realized something happened, because like the disciples told us, uh, there were people touching him all over, and she's the only one that the power came out on, because uh, she believed. He said, daughter, thy faith has made you whole. Be whole of your plague and go in peace. And so we see that when we come different than maybe what uh, our natural instincts would be, our uh, fleshly instincts would be, or our realm of reason would be, we come by faith that we can actually receive from God when everybody else around us doesn't. So one of the ways to think about that and one of the things to say about that in yourself is, I don't care if no one else gets a touch from God. I don't care if no one else gets a word from God. I'm getting something. I'm receiving from God because I'm coming in faith. Because my faith actually is not even in the minister. My faith is in Jesus Christ. So you know, like, um, if you can't even get to the place where you need to get to physically, that uh, there's no distance in the spirit, the Lord will take care of what you need. And um, because he moves through faith, uh, I think it was John Wesley uh, well, even Wigglesworth said that God will pass over a thousand people just to get to one person that's acting in faith. You know, and our, our way of thinking is like if I, this mother just lost her husband and now she's a single mother and she doesn't have finances and she can't eat and so uh, she's going to cry and go to God and he's going to do something because that's a sad, sad story. Well, that's not what moves God. He has compassion. He's moved with compassion. But faith is what moves the hand of God. And faith is what causes God to connect with us and connect us to him. In other words, just trusting us. Uh, excuse me, just trusting him. Um, so that we look to him and say, okay, Lord, 
My husband just died. I've got this little child. I have no finances. I need your help. And so, and I know that you come through, right? So one way you're kind of looking like, God, pity me. Don't you see my situation? Don't you see what's going on? And um, the other way, you're reaching out to him. I remember, I think I told uh, Dave when I, he, they came to visit one of the times out here and I had, uh, I don't know how long we had been out here, but I had some uh, attacks from the enemy. And um, I'm sitting there thinking like, uh, uh, hey, we moved out here. We're planting a church. Like, Lord, you need to do something about the devil. Like, he's like attacking us and trying to bring all this opposition and all these things to stop us. And I know we're out here. I know in my heart I did what you told me to do. So this shouldn't be happening. Why is this happening? And finally, like, on the inside, the Lord kind of said, like, you know, because you have authority and you have to do something about it, I'm not going to do anything about it. I've already done everything about it. I came and I conquered the devil, defeated him, and I gave you the authority to stand against him. And so even me, like, that's like a little believer's authority lesson, and I travel with Dad Hagen. But it's amazing to me how easy it is to not be conscious of what's happening around you, and you're kind of like, well, what's going on? And then all of a sudden you kind of wake up and you're like, hey, wait a second, it shouldn't be this way. You know, but I'm looking for the Lord to do something about it when he's saying, you know, hey, I gave you the ability to do it. You take care of it uh, because that's actually why I need you in the earth to take care of that and to drive back the forces uh, of the devil that would try to stop us and hinder us. But we're not going to drive back the forces of the devil intellectually. You understand? When I say intellectually, like you're just thinking it, well, it shouldn't be this way and let's reason it out. No, it's by faith. And by faith, you take authority over the devil. Uh, Peter said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And uh, Greek actually says, resist him at his very onset. Like the very moment that you notice that the devil is coming against you. Uh, sickness is such a good thing. Like you, you, you get uh, some um, sneezes or whatever type of sickness is coming against you. And you say, no, I resist this in the name of Jesus. I am uh, redeemed from the curse of the law. According to Deuteronomy 28, every sickness and every disease is part of the curse of the law. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. So I am redeemed from this sickness and this disease, and I'm not going to allow it in my body. And, um, and then uh, hold fast to your confession. Verse 15, to give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it's been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring who is Christ. That is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterward does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, no longer comes, uh, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. So remember, like 400, what do you say, 430 years before the law, God made a covenant with Abraham and a promise. So shall your seed be. And, um, you know, incidentally, we're not like under a promise for healing. We're not under a promise for blessing, financial blessing and prosperity. Uh, Christ has redeemed us from sickness Christ has redeemed us from poverty. Christ has redeemed us from spiritual death. So it's actually a present day reality for us. Abraham was counted righteous because he believed God who promised. And it was counted to him for righteousness. <coughs> Excuse me. But we have actually been declared in the court of heaven righteous and received his righteousness. 
Verse 19, why then the law? It was added because of transgressions or like people sinning and messing up until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if the law had been given uh, that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So he's just going, uh, he kind of comes at it like a couple different directions and repeats what he's saying. And he's saying like, if you could have done all this stuff, if you could have had your relationship with God by the law, then it would have been by the law. But that was impossible because none of us could be made right by the law. The only way we could be made right is by faith. Because why? All of us uh, sinned in Adam. You know, and of course, if we read on in Romans chapter 5, you'd find, um, talk about reigning in life through Jesus Christ, that the sin curse came on all of us through Adam, and that the blessing came through Jesus Christ, uh, and the abundance of grace and righteousness through him. But he's saying that we can't just uh, live our life through the works of the law, and we can't approach our relationship with God through the works of the law. We have to approach our relationship with God through faith. Let's finish up real quick here. Um, Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law as our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are sons of God through faith. For as many as you are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Jesus Christ. And if you are Christ's, then are you Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. And I think this passage of scripture is a passage of scripture that uh, at least I can speak for the United States uh, needs to hear and needs to be declared uh, because a lot of people want to get into like uh, uh, racial prejudice, racial division, uh, male, female, all this stuff. And then uh, they blame, say, like, Christianity is like a, a religion of prejudice, and all these Christians are prejudiced. Uh, the truth is, Jesus Christ actually is the great equalizer. And he said, now, if you're in Christ, there's no difference between male and female. There's no difference between slave and free. Like, he has actually annihilated all of the separation that there was between mankind. And so in Christ Jesus, the answer for uh, racial problems in our cities and in our countries is Jesus Christ and people coming to Jesus Christ and knowing Jesus Christ personally because he's the only one that gets rid of that separation. So many other religions actually create a greater separation and a greater distinction. But Jesus Christ said, anyone that comes to me is equal in Christ Jesus. There's not male, female, slave, free, um, We all have equal access to God through Jesus Christ. So Paul's saying basically, when you approach God and when you approach Jesus, even when you approach the Holy Spirit, you have to approach by faith. Let me put it in a, close by putting it in like a real uh, touchable sort of way. And that is uh, in your prayer life. So when you approach approach God uh, in your prayer life, you find that... um, Sometimes you can approach intellectually or you could approach by faith. And I want to read you, if I have it in here. Um, 
Psalm 23, and, and then we'll talk about prayer and then we'll close. The Lord is my, this is the amplified translation. The Lord is my shepherd to feed, guide, and shield me. I shall not lack. He makes me lie down in fresh, tender, green pastures. He leads me beside the still and restful waters. He refreshes and restores my life, myself. He leads me in the paths of righteousness, uprightness, and right standing with him, not for my earning it, but for his name's sake. Yes, though I walk through the deep, sunless valley of the shadow of death, I will fear or dread no evil, for you are with me. Your rod to protect, your staff to guide, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My brimming cup runs over. Surely or only goodness, mercy, and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life. And through the length of days, the house of the Lord and his presence shall be my dwelling place. I love that translation uh, of Psalm 23. But the house of the Lord and his presence shall be my dwelling place. And the way that you actually live in his presence and come into his presence is by faith. So that when you're approaching uh, prayer, you approach prayer by faith. And what is faith? Faith, faith is a substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. So your faith, actually, one translation says, is giving substance to this that you're hoping for. And so when you come to pray in faith, Mark eleven twenty three and 24, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things that he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. And Jesus said, uh, my sheep hear me, they know my voice, the voice of a stranger they don't follow. Well, if you've ever been alive in the flesh, you might feel sometimes like, uh, I don't feel like I'm contacting God. I'm not really connecting. Like, I'm not hearing you, Lord. And how do you say that? Like, how can your word say that? Uh, well, uh, up in Romans, uh, the word of faith is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That's the word of faith which we preach, that if you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart... Um, Man confesses, uh, what is it? <laughs> For with the heart, man, now, now I got confused. Um, confesses to righteousness with the mouth, justification. No, with the heart, confession is made into salvation. With the mouth, uh, confession is made into salvation. Right, did I say it right? Let me just read it. You think you preacher would know that scripture? Um, for with the heart man believes to righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so what happens is when someone prays to be born again, when you pray to be born again, you actually were not born again until you confessed that you were born again, right? You believed in your heart and then you confess with your mouth. And uh, you're not gonna feel born again until you confess with your mouth because the actual act of recreation does not come until actually you confess with your mouth, so you can believe in your heart all day long. And uh, we learn in the epistles that even the demons believe in Jesus and the power of Jesus so much that they tremble, yet they're not born again, okay? And so uh, you can meet people that believe in Jesus all day long, but the Bible says as many as received him to them, he gave the right to be the children of God. And so Jesus is someone that has to be received. And when you come into prayer, uh, the same principle applies in all of your Christian life and receiving from God is that you believe and you confess and then you possess, okay? Uh, so 
What things soever you desire, Mark 11, 24 says, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. When do you have them? After you believe that you receive them, not before, okay? So if you're coming into the presence of God and you're saying, Lord, I just want to come into your presence right now. And so you just say, Heavenly Father, um, I'm asking you to bring me into your presence. That's not going to work. Right? So what you do is you believe what the word says, which is call unto me and I will answer you. Show you great and mighty things which you don't even know about. And so you would actually approach and you say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that right now I'm in your presence. I thank you right now when I'm speaking, you're hearing me. I thank you that you give me words to speak and you're giving me words to speak to you even now. And I thank you that you're my father, and I always hear what you say. I always listen. I thank you that you speak so tenderly, that you speak exactly what I need to hear, that you tell me exactly what I need to know, that you are, uh, you know, the allness of the muchness, you know, that you're my favorite. And there's a huge difference, even when I'm ministering it to you. And I say the two, like something happens on the inside of me because I'm connecting with God even in doing it as demonstration and preaching. And so any part of our life, to access what God has already won for us and already set aside for us, and we're talking specifically at the end here about his presence, we just do it by faith. And I always, I always remember, uh, when, I, when I talk about this part of the message, I always remember this young lady that uh, was at Rama and uh, she had gone to prayer school for a little bit and she wanted to pray. And she was telling me, I never really connected. I never really got into the presence of God. I said, well, let's do it right now. And so uh, we just went to prayer. And I said, okay, just like repeat after me. And I said, I thank you, Father, that we are in your presence right now by the name of Jesus and the power of the name of Jesus and that you are speaking to us right now. Man, her eyes like lit up and she's like, whoa. And she had never in her life had that happen. She'd never like sense going into the presence of God like that, just by faith. And so when we live and when we walk and when we move, if we do it by faith, we can actually grab hold of uh, and partake of the blessings that God has for us and really the blessings that God has for those around us. And the way we do that is we do it by faith. And so I... Um, I grew up in church and served in church really most of my life. And, uh, you know, at the church I was at in Georgia, I used to go every Sunday morning faithfully, religiously, constantly, and I would pray before the services. And I would, again and again and again and again and again. Well, it's really easy when you do that to approach God that way. And then when you need something from God and say like, okay, well, Lord, you know, I go every Sunday morning and I do this every Sunday morning. So... I ought to deserve something. I've earned something. And uh, so then like you're home and you want to go into the presence of God and you're trying to come that way, you're not going to get there that way uh, because that's not how God's kingdom works. His kingdom works by faith because none of us could be good enough by our works. None of us could be holy enough. None of us could accomplish enough. And once you find this out, it really is true freedom. Because it doesn't say, like Paul said in there, you know, they said, well, does that mean like we should sin, that grace would abound all the more? Uh, on the contrary, he says, you should actually be doing more good works, more good things, but you're not doing them to earn something. You're doing them because you are something and you are someone in Christ and those acts just follow. So uh, it makes uh, the life that we live uh, a wonderful life. Stand with me if you would.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, the faith that you have given us, your very faith. Father, the quality of faith that you've given us, your life, your nature. Father, we thank you that we can trust you with every area of our lives. And Father, we just ask that you help each and every one of us to continue to remain wholeheartedly fixed and attached to our faith in you, Father, that we trust you for every area of our lives. Father, so that we open the door for you to bless us the way you want to bless us and use us the way you want to use us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.